I got some props here that, that I'm going to try to use. And, man, I tell you, God is just so awesome. He is just so awesome. All right. Well, good morning. Sorry, I have the wrap around these because uh, I'm trying to keep them from getting wet. All of our, all of Vanetta's hard work on these puzzles, as you can see. So, <clears throat> these are puzzles. Is that upside down? No, okay. All right. <clears throat> wow. So, just, just to let you in on something, um, the first part to my message, point one, you can go ahead and write it down, is proclamation. How about that? So, do I have the mic positioned right and all that? I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm rusty at this. If you have your Bibles, one thing I want to encourage you is I've got some scriptures. I believe they're going to be up on the overhead as well. If you would, turn to Psalms 40 for me. Psalms 40, this is, uh, man, this verse has come alive in my family and my wife and I over this year, this last year. Um, and uh, I was trying to think about how to title the sermon. I had one title and didn't like it, so I changed it. The title of today's message is called The Complete Picture. Now, let me just preface by saying I don't know it all. Whew. Okay, I got that out. My hope and my heart's desire for you today is for you to take these scriptures and for it to generate some excitement of the Word. And for you to pull from it things that are you're going through and your family might be going through in your life. So let's begin. This is the NIV version, Psalm verse four, uh, chapter 40. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Everybody say pit. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song. Everybody say new. new. Okay, help me out. Now remember, I deal with children, so you're going to be children for me today. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, none can compare with you. Were I, were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Hallelujah. I like the, messages, the Message Bible's version of this as well, and I'd like to read it to you. It's a little bit more down to earth. It says, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song. I like that. A praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one comes close to you. I start talking about you, telling what I know, and quickly run out of words. Neither numbers nor words account for you. Man, what a powerful passage. If, I, I, I encourage you to meditate on this scripture. 
But as I was preparing for today, can, can, I, have, can I have 25 minutes? Yeah? Can, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little long-winded. Forgive me. As I was preparing for today, there's something my family loves to do at home. As you can tell, I've got a few of our puzzles. But we have started a journey over the last couple years of collecting puzzles. I like puzzles. Anybody like puzzles in here? I like puzzles. I have not gotten brave enough to go beyond a thousand pieces yet. I just am not there. I can't. I heard there's a 45,000 piece puzzle out there and it's amazing. I, and and uh, Megan showed me a picture of this young girl that actually put it together in their garage and it's beautiful. And I'm going, no way. There's not a chance for me to do that. But you know what I like about puzzles is I, I go shopping. I go to Target. We go to Hobby Lobby, Michael's. We'll go to Walmart. We'll go to different places, and we always go to the puzzles. And I, I think we have, what, nine or ten un, uh, uh, puzzles in boxes right now, guys? Twelve? I don't know. I mean, we just, we like the idea of puzzles more than we like puzzles, I think. But <laughs> what captivates me about puzzles is the picture, the story that the picture tells, it grabs my attention. And, and one in particular is, is by an artist named Thomas Kincaid, if any of you know who that is. Well, Thomas Kincaid and Disney have gotten together, and Thomas Kincaid's uh, uh, artwork, and they have started uh, re- producing artwork of Disney classics and modern-day things like The Wizard of Oz, like uh, down here, if you can see it, that would be uh, a scene from, um, help me, um, Sound of Music. I'm sorry, my, my brain. Um, we've got, we've got uh, from Tangled, we've got Cinderella, we've got Snow White, we've got uh, from Mickey Mouse, all these different things. But it always fascinates me because I love the picture on the box. Have you ever tried to do a puzzle without seeing the picture? That is extremely difficult, and I'm not a fan. I'm a cheater. I like to do it this way. So we have different techniques. You can, you, you, some people like to color coordinate and they'll separate out. But the very first thing we do at my home on my table is we separate the flat edges. Find the corners. Find the, corners, find the perimeter. And one of the big ones that my kids absolutely hate is we flip all the pieces. I cannot stand trying to do a puzzle when there's pieces all, you know, every which way. We spread them out. We flip them over. That's a daddy's very particular way of doing it. So it's my house. We're going to do it my way. I don't know. Guess, you know. So the funny thing about a puzzle, though, is when you open the box, there, there are a bunch of little pieces. And... I've realized as, as I was just thinking about my life in particular, so y'all are just coming in on a journey with me right now because this is where I have been for a while, is that so many times this is life. We want this right away, but life is this. And the younger you are, the even more complicated it is to understand. But as you get a little older, you start going, that makes a little more sense. And so... As we were uh, preparing this, as we were moving forward, and I just find it so amazing that, that the very thing the pastor gets up to share was proclamation. I'm going to proclaim. And I started thinking about Psalm 40 and the fact that you took me out of the miry pit. And I want to break down the life's journey of the pit And I want to tell you a story, and I want to bring alive to you, hopefully, like for me, a guy in the Bible that many have heard preached on, 
have heard different stories on. You have your stories and your interpretations and, and your views of this guy. But this guy is probably one of my favorite Bible characters. And his name would be Peter. I love Peter. Peter was a man's man. Peter was a goofball. Peter put his foot in his mouth many times, we, and we've all heard that. But there was something that has come alive in me in all of this that I, I want to ask you if you would. Get your Bibles prepared. Go to Luke chapter 5. Hold that place. Go to Luke chapter 22. And then hold that place and go to John chapter 21. These are the three points I want to share with you. Psalm 40 says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Well, one of the cool things is that the very thing about Peter that draws my attention isn't all of the cool things he did, uh, the fact that he was uh, one of the apostles or anything like that. It's the story that we're going to get to about when he hits rock bottom. And boy, does he ever hit rock bottom. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, I want you to catch this, and I want you to remember this as we read. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Generoset, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, Simon being Peter, by the way. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've heard, we've worked hard all night. Everybody say all night. And haven't caught anything. But because you say so, but, I love that one. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So as we talk about life's journey being one like a puzzle and there being many intricate pieces of that puzzle, one thing we always want to avoid, especially in our Western culture, is the fact that life is full of a lot of pits, full of a lot of mud, a lot of, 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 of fighting and going and doing. And Peter is a great example of this in that from day one, he starts it all out by proclaiming Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, Master, Rabbi. He already knew. So Peter starts on a good note. He proclaims, in essence, the gospel. You are are him. Wouldn't it be nice if it stops right there when you make that proclamation? Life is good. Everything's great. We have it all set and done, finished. Woohoo! Let's go get some lunch. Doesn't work that way. 
To see the complete picture, we have to follow this journey of Peter and David and so many men and women of the Bible. We look back at it and go, wow, what amazing uh, people. And we forget the years of struggles in between the calling and the completion of the calling. We forget the journey that they were on. And not only that, the Bible's only able to say so much. What I want to challenge you to do is acknowledge the pit. Acknowledge the struggle, kind of like what Pastor did just a few minutes ago. We have to proclaim the gospel. We have to proclaim the battle is real. So to break it all down, if you're writing these down in notes or if you're listening by podcast, we're going to do uh, the, the, uh, the word pit. We're going to break it down into three points, and the first being proclamation. When you are on a journey, sometimes the best thing you and I can do when it gets all dark, all fuzzy, it gets very difficult because of life's surroundings, family members, finances, work, uh, uh, outside things. And you know what I'm talking about. When it starts to get to where I can't take it anymore, sometimes what we've got to do is proclaim the word over that. Now, I'm not a name it, claim it kind of guy but one thing I have not done very well over the last few years that I promise you guys now I'm going to start doing more of is I'm going to start declaring the word over my situations when I'm in the car not so much necessarily be super spiritual holier than now but when I'm by myself in my car when the enemy is trying to attack my brain and going after me every which way he can it's time to stop and say but the word says Jesus says when you do that do you know what starts to happen Proclamation begins to turn into determination. How many of you have ever said, I'm going to get up and go work out today? As you can see, I've been saying it now for quite a while. But my proclamation has not turned into determination, but by golly, I'm trying. But there is something that starts to happen that you say, I don't want to get up this morning, but I'm going to go jog anyways. I'm going to watch what I eat anyways. And I use that area because it's the new year. We all do it. New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. I'm going to jog this. I'm going to do my first 5K. We have all of that. We do the same spiritually speaking where we will proclaim but, or we will, we will start off really strong. Woo, we got this. But then the mud starts to hit you. Have you ever gotten muddy and then let it dry? What happens? It hurts, especially if you have hairy arms like me. And, and, it, and, it, and it, you just, ah, oh, this is uncomfortable. Well, when you start to proclaim Jesus, it's like the cleansing waters of his presence will wash that muck and mire off of you. And I know that sounds really good. I'm standing right here, but I promise you it is true. Proclamation will lead, will lead into a determination in you and in me. Have you ever faced a situation where you just felt like you could not go another step? Curve ball after curve ball. See, that's the thing. Is my testimony of years ago had my brain thinking life was going to take me one way. But as I've gone, as I have a beautiful wife and three children and, and all that, did I ever see myself landing in Mobile, Alabama? No, not at all. My thoughts when I was a young man had me going one direction. But as that direction is going, it slowly has detoured as time has gone on. Am I happy? Yes. 
Do I feel fulfilled? Yes. I mean, how can you not with a guy like him, you know? And he's like, I'm going to sit down now, Dad. <laughs> See what I did there? All right. If you would, turn over to Luke chapter 22. So Peter, if you look through the four Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all give accounts of Jesus calling his disciples. But Luke, and this is where I want you to cross-reference all this when you leave here. Write these scriptures down. Listen to the podcast. The thing that has blown my mind is Luke is the one of the four Gospels that talks about Jesus calling his disciples after catching the fish. And you're going to see why that's significant here in just a few minutes. When you are walking through life's journey and you've got mud flinging, you've got arrows hitting you, you've got different things coming, you've got to decide for yourself, which way am I going to go? And even in the Old Testament, Joshua says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's power in this thing that we call our mouths, our tongue. How many times have you actually stopped and thought about the words you're saying? Positive and or negative. The reason why it's more real now is I've got three little children that we're trying to shape what they say. Especially when I hear, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm blah, blah, blah. Nobody, but what? No, no, no. And I love how Emily approaches it. She goes, what's the truth? I am loved. (laughs) What else? I can do it. What else? Okay. But why? Why is that so important? We proclaim it. When you proclaim it, it then starts to turn into another amazing thing is Holy Spirit will bring illumination. He will bring glory into the midst of the most darkest place you have ever walked through. He will never. Everybody say never. Never. Children, I need your help. Say never. Never. I need preachers. Are you ready? He will never. never. Leave you, nor forsake you. Holy Spirit. See, here's the thing, and it's so funny because, I, I, you know, I never know how it's all going to go. I got all my words down. I got my points and everything. Pastor pretty much preached everything right there and there, and I was like, cool. And guess what I have right here? The enemy wants to steal your joy, kill your hope, and destroy your future. It's right there. I printed that a couple hours ago. I didn't talk to you about any of this. He will fill your heart with fear, anxiety, depression, and ultimately defeat. That's how he operates. And it's really easy. Well, you got it going on, AJ. You're up there. You're preaching. No, 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 no. One of my mentors used to always say, I got one finger coming out at you, but three pointing right back at me. He knows if he could take your focus off of him, off of the creator, and put it onto your failures, your shortcomings, your wounds, your hurts, your I'm not this and I can't do that, nobody this. And if he can start to change that perspective into a negative, he will prevent you from being able to see the power of God that is right there with you. That's how he operates. Now, am I one of these guys with demon behind a bush? No. But do I believe there's spiritual warfare? Yes. And if you don't believe that, then you might as well just take Ephesians chapter 6 and throw it out the Bible. In fact, we just did it in children's church about the armor of God. And man, my mind has been blown about that. That the most important piece of the armor of God is the belt of truth. Who is truth? Jesus. 
So the very first thing we're supposed to do on a daily basis is put Jesus around us. That sounds really too easy. Wait, no, I'm supposed to be like boxing and getting ready, right? No, put Jesus on. And then after that, then you put the breastplate of righteousness and all the other parts. And if you don't believe me, just turn over to Ephesians 6. Finally, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. What does it say in Revelation? We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the... Word of our testimony. What is our testimony? It is Him in us and through us. So there's a reason why now in Children's Church, I'm really pushing for the children. Children, you got your Bibles? Hold them up for me. Hold them up for me. Look at there. That's awesome. Look at Claire with her Veggie Tales Bible. Love it. So is this just a religious duty that I'm trying to teach? No. It's important that we get into the Word. If it's through your video screens on your phones, so be it. But are we getting the Word in us? Are we filling that hunger and that place so that when the day of evil comes, we can proclaim the Word of God, and by doing so, it will then generate determination that I got this through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can carry this day's journey, whatever it might have, and then at the same time, by doing that, it's like all of a sudden it illuminates who he is because it really does take it off of you and it takes it off of me. So that's where we in the Western culture get it all backwards. It's what can I do to fix my wrongs? What can I do to get better at this? It's simple. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. So I got all these pages and I don't have it all nice and neat, so excuse me here. Illumination. So Luke chapter 22, if you're there, go ahead and read with me. Verse 54. One of the things, this is the place where Peter really falls into the pit. Now, he's, he's already done some stupid stuff. He's already put his foot in his mouth numerous times. And I hope, I'm hoping that at the end of this, I can bring this all together in regards to Peter. It says, Peter says he does not know Jesus in this, verse 54. Then the men arrested Jesus and led him away. They took him into the high priest's house. <clears throat> Peter followed from far away. Some people there started a fire in the middle of the courtyard. Then they sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A female servant saw him sitting there in, in, in the uh, firelight. She looked closely at him. Then she said, this man was with Jesus. But Peter said, no, 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 no. He had not been with him. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw Peter. You also are one of them, he said. No, no, you got the wrong guy, Peter replied. I'm not. 
And then about an hour later, another person spoke up. This fellow must have been with Jesus, he said. He is from Galilee. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked right at Peter. Then Peter remembered what the Lord had spoken to him. The rooster will crow today, Jesus had said. Before it does, you will say three times what you don't, that you don't know me. Peter went outside, he broke down, and he cried. Okay, let me, let me back up, give you a little more perspective here about Peter. Peter, when he was called, and he heard, I will make you fishers of men, he said, this guy is the Messiah. He's going to overturn Rome. He's going to take the authority of the kingdom of Jerusalem, and I will be one of his generals. I will be... I will be right there with him, and we will conquer everything. Because mind you, many believe the disciples were young men, later teen years, early 20s. That makes sense. They were warriors in mindset. We've got this. And the whole time, for three years, everybody say three. Three years, Peter saw Jesus do amazing miracle after amazing miracle. He got to see Jesus turn into his glorious state up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He got to see dead people rise. And then the thing that probably was the most encouraging for Peter was when Jesus would shut down all the Pharisees, all the religious folk. <laughs> yeah, look at you. You all think you got it, but we got it. And we're about to show you we got it. So this whole journey, Peter's thinking one way. And even in the same time, Jesus is going, Peter, you're not getting it, son. What is wrong with you, man? Listen, Satan's trying to come after you, but I'm praying for you, and it will dawn on you eventually, Peter. Right? Peter's like, uh-uh. Jesus, I got you, buddy. I got your back, brother. I'm with you, man. We're going to do this. And so much so that if you turn over, I believe it's in John, that when the men with Judas come to Jesus, and one of the most fascinating things, and I don't have it in my notes, I wish I did, and Emily and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, one of the most fascinating things is after Jesus prayed through the night for hours, Luke says that he sweat like blood drops, capillaries burst intensity. But when he came out of that prayer time, and he woke his disciples up. He said, look, they're coming. And when they come, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. And you know what? Chapter 18, verse 5. John? John? John chapter 18, verse 5. When he said, I am he, do you know what happened? The Bible says all of them fell to their knees. And they said, whoa, what are we doing? Think about that. The glory of God was on Jesus. And Jesus had another opportunity to say, I'll wipe you all out. And he didn't. And then he said, excuse me, gentlemen. I'm not that serious. They're not that happy. Who are you looking for? And at that time, Judas had to come and kiss him on the cheek for them to go, there he is. How awesome is that? Understand, Jesus was letting, that was happening. Guess who was standing right beside him at that time? Peter. 
And Peter said, that's him. That's the king. Here he is. It's time. We're going to do this. So he follows Jesus close enough to wait for it to happen. Peter just wasn't getting two and two. He wasn't getting it. To the point that all the way down the journey, Peter watches Jesus literally get hurt. And then he goes, wait a minute, something's not right. This isn't what I thought it was supposed to be. This is when Peter starts to fall into his pit. Because he thought the puzzle, the picture, was going to look this way. When Jesus said, buddy, you're only halfway there. And I still got many more pieces for you. And at that third time, and this is the crazy part about it, guys. It's Jesus, Peter, we want to dog him. But Peter was so close to Jesus that when he denied him the third time, Jesus looked right at him. Wow. Could you imagine? Have you ever hurt somebody? Have you ever seen that hurt on them? Can you imagine that in, in Peter's eyes, in his face? Because he just said, oh, I did it. I just devastated him. But it was so cool is that at that same very moment when Peter is in his pit, illumination starts to take place. And the Bible says that he went outside, he broke down, and he cried. There's a big difference between Peter and Judas here. Peter went and he repented in essence. My God, what have I done? Judas said, ah, it's whatever. It's a done deal. He didn't have the repentant heart. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So proclamation leads to illumination, which ultimately will lead to transformation. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 21. I'm wrapping up. If you'll get ready for that little quick video for me, guys. And then, Emily, I'm going to ask you to come on up. I'm sorry, we've, we've messed the whole agenda up here today that we normally do. John chapter 21, verse 1. This is long, but I want you to read through these lines with me. After this, Jesus appeared to his disciples again. It was by the Sea of Galilee. Here's what happened. Simon Peter and Thomas, who was also called Didymus, were there together. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee were with them. So they were all there. So were two other disciples. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. Simon was a leader. Hey, guys, I'm going fishing. They said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat that night. They didn't catch anything. Are you seeing a similarity yet? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, don't you have any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. There you will find some fish. When they did, they could not pull the net into the boat. There were too many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, you know, the guy that was stuck on himself, John, said to Simon Peter, it is the Lord, or master, or rabbi. As soon as Peter heard that, he put his coat on, he had taken it off earlier, then he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed, the, followed in the boat. They were towing the net full of fish. The shore was only about 100 yards away. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish already on it. There was also some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. He dragged the net to shore. It was full. Everybody say full. full. 
of large fish. There were 153 of them. How, who, who took the time to count them is what I want to know. But even with that many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same thing with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He then goes on to, in essence, restore Peter. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? But something that dawned on me in all of this was the restoration was the moment that he heard, it is the Lord. Peter doesn't wait, and he jumps out of the boat. He knows that Jesus is there. Do you think Jesus could have used a different arena to get their attention? Yeah? But he chose the very thing he called them at the beginning to restore in them, I haven't forgotten about you. Now, it is finished. And now, wait, go up to the upper room. Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and then your work is going to begin. So, the pit, proclamation, illumination, transformation. How many of you have seen the movie Inside Out? I love Inside Out. It's probably my favorite movie besides Up for cartoon Disney Pixar. In this movie, there, the, the, the main character, Joy, is on a journey that everything's supposed to be joyful, happy, 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 happy. Riley is supposed to be happy. Can't have any sadness, none. Keep sadness away from all the memories. Keep her away. Don't let her do it. And ultimately, as Riley's entering into adolescence, the mood swings start to take place, right? And all this starts to happen, and joy is being shaken because she thinks the picture of Riley's life is supposed to be one way when, in reality, Riley is beginning a journey, and all she's got are pieces, so they go on this journey, and in this journey, Joy, the main character, in my opinion, the main character, finds herself with Bing Bong, the imaginary friend. Bing Bong, Bing Bong. Bing Bong, Bing Bong. Ah, and I hope this will help bring this to, to, to uh, a place of uh, memory for you in that Joy finds herself in the pit of lost memories, the pit of despair, along with Bing Bong. And she doesn't know how to get out. And then all of a sudden, if you would, the thing about that particular imagery for me is that so many times we get into a place of what we would call despair, depression, anxiety, fear. Um, we just get overwhelmed. And it seems like getting out of it is so far out there. I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. And for me, maybe it's a stretch, but I'm going to tell you this minister to me. Bing bong is the Holy Spirit. And he's there with you. And he said, I got your back. We're going to get out of this thing. And he'll illuminate. The Holy Spirit illuminates that the Lord has pre-created a way out of that situation. He's created, or in some cases, it's like with Paul, when Paul says, Lord, get rid of this thorn in my side. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. So what I'm hoping for you is that in the transformation mode of this thing, 
is that you understand it's not always about being on the mountaintop highs. That there's glory in the mud. When you alter your vision. That's been really hard for AJ in 2016. Because I'm telling you, and I know many of you have had quite the last year. Money problems, you've had family problems, you've had work problems, you've had mental problems. Greatest battlefield, as Joyce Meyer always called it, is the mind. So I want to read this to you, and then we're going to open up these altars for you. Because I believe that the Lord wants to minister to some people today. And maybe you're listening by podcast. I believe he wants to meet with you where you are as well. I listen to pastor when I'm driving. Sometimes that's hard when you're in the car, by the way. You have to be careful. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to read this little story to you. I'm not sure who the author of it is, but it's called The Little Cracked Pot. There was once a water bearer who had two large pots, one hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, but the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house, while the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was very ashamed of its imperfection and was miserable that it could only do half of what it had been made to do, or so it thought. The cracked pot, after two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I'm very ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you. Why? asked the water bearer. What are you ashamed of? Well, for the past two years, I have only been able to deliver half of my real capacity. Because this crack in my side allows water to leak out all the way back to the master's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work, and you don't get full value from your efforts, the crackpot said. Well, the water bearer felt sorry for the old crackpot and compassionately said, As we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. As they went up the hill, the old crackpot did, did notice the sun shining on the beautiful wild flowers growing along his side of the path. And this cheered it some. However, at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it had, it had again leaked out half its load. And so it apologized to the water bearer for its failure. Listen to this. The bearer said to the pot, Did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I have always known about your flaw and put it to good use. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path for the return trip, and every day while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. 
For over two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. If you weren't the way you are, he wouldn't have the flowers for his house. Stand with me. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. I'd like to give you an opportunity this morning because, listen, I know life. Life can stink sometimes. But, you know, sometimes my mama called it attitude adjustment. But I want to encourage you to have a perception shift. Focus today. I don't know your work situations. I don't know your family situations. I don't know your personal, uh, quote-unquote, demons you battle. But I know this. He's bigger. He's badder. He's stronger. It doesn't always end the way we think it should. Well, I was given a promise that it was going to work out this way. But it doesn't always work out the way you think it should. We think right away when we're given a word from the pastor or a cool little conference or reading that it's going to be a complete picture. Man, I got that whole picture. Well, if you really dive into the word, you will see that every man that was called by God mostly were young. And it took years upon years and journey after journey for things to finally click. And in some ways, the, the, the ministry that they had was more powerful after they died than, more, than when they were alive. So what I'd like to ask for you to do is just, uh, just so you can kind of focus for a second, close your eyes. Children, close your eyes as well. Just like with the story of Inside Out, just like with the story of Peter, we all have an idea of how things should be. We also have been ingrained from our parents and life situations on, on how I should act. I'm a man, I should be this way, or, or I, you're a woman, you should be this way, or we are supposed to be... Let's take all of that and put it up on the shelf for a minute. And what I want to ask for you is to allow the illumination of Holy Spirit to minister to your hearts right now. You see, every failure, every hurt, every victory is a piece of the puzzle of your life, of the portrait that God has already masterfully made. You just don't see it yet. Peter didn't see it yet. It took three years journey with Peter and Jesus and then took Peter falling flat on his face failing before all of it came back to him and at that moment Jesus even went the extra step and went right to where Peter decided to go see he he decided Jesus was done he moved on you know that was great great three years I'm going back to fish again and Jesus found him right there again and said, wait, 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 wait. Didn't I tell you you will be fishers of men? Father, we, we thank you that you are with us in the pit. We thank you that just like David in the Psalms, that you are the solid rock which we can stand on regardless of the struggles, regardless of the battles, regardless of the journey. 
Lord, I believe there are some in this room that, that Lord, they have been battling. They've been on a journey and they're, they're maybe a little tired, maybe a little confused. Because, Lord, I know I've had some times in recent months. Where are you? I thought it was supposed to be this way, Jesus. And it's taken you to grab me, and you're still doing that. To say, I'm right here, buddy. So Emily's going to start playing, uh, and she's going to sing. And if you have to go, God bless you today. But I would like to ask everybody to stay in reverence and hear, if you would. And if you need ministry time, if you need just to, to pour yourselves out to the Lord, these altars are going to be open. If you need somebody to pray for you, I'm sure others will be able to do so, pastor, myself, whomever. But I, I want to encourage you to understand that there is glory in the darkest places if you just will turn the light on. If you'll just refocus your contacts a bit. Quit looking at the problem and look at the problem solver. Quit looking at the puzzle and look at the puzzle master. For you are his masterpiece. So Lord, I pray right now you would just minister and move. I pray you encourage and lift up. I pray you challenge and convict If there are things in us, Lord, that we have held too tight and said, I'm not letting go of this, but you've been telling us to let go of it. Lord, I pray today that there will be a letting go. Lord, those that have been journeying through health issues and have been asking that same question, Lord, I pray you minister and meet them where they are. These altars are open. This whole place, if you would. Find yourselves a place if you like. Otherwise, enjoy the worship. God bless you.